When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. It's another loss for the Edmonton Oilers. 4-1 on the road against the New York Rangers. The Oilers now just 2-8-2 in their last 12 games. Their record for the season slips to 18-13-2. And, and it just continues to pile up. Things going wrong for the Oilers. Once again, they are scored on first. 20th time in the last 24 games they've allowed the first goal. It's happened 23 out of 33 games so far this season. A couple of bad goals given up by Miko Koskinen, plus he shot the puck over the glass, so that didn't help. The Oilers not getting power plays 0 for 2 tonight, but both of them were abbreviated, so that's a concern, and uh, not getting a ton of chances 5-on-5 either. The only goal tonight came from the line of McLeod, Benson, and Turris, those were the three guys in on the play. McLeod gets his fourth from Benson and Turris. That made it 2-1 late in the second period, but the Rangers put it away with a couple in the third. So, Rob, the uh, the misery continues. I mean, the, the first goal stuff is surreal. Comical. Quite frankly, like it's, it's just, well, it's been stupid for a while, but, I mean, it's just uh, you're almost waiting for it to happen. Well, it's the point you can't actually believe that it's still happening. Yeah. I mean, because, you, you know, when you continue to talk about something, okay, here's the night that it's all, we can stop talking about it for a while, and then it does. It, it, I mean, we were worried it was going to happen in the first minute of the game. The, the Oilers... Well, Koskinen got a penalty yeah, 15, 15 seconds, seconds in, and all of a sudden the Rangers are on the power play. A good power play has a couple opportunities, and then they, they escape that, but they don't escape the next mistake that Koskinen made. And... As, as great as Mike Smith is at playing the puck, uh, Miko Koskinen's at the opposite end of the spectrum, and it's almost now where it's it, it's won a game, and I, I truly do believe that teams are are trying to put the puck in a position for him to come out and play it, uh, hoping that he will make a mistake. But uh, the Oilers, the New York Rangers are a better hockey club. Simple, simple as that. The New York Rangers are a better hockey club right now than the Edmonton Oilers. So for the Oilers to win in New York today, they had to play a perfect game. They couldn't take uh, penalties, which they did. Uh, they were going to have to win battles to create power plays, which they didn't do enough of. They're going to have to get big safe. They didn't get that. Their specialty teams were going to have to win. That didn't happen. Uh, and their stars were going to have to be stars. And I thought Connor and Leon were just okay today. Uh, so uh, to beat a team that's better than you, you need a lot of things going right for you, and those things didn't happen for the Edmonton Oilers today. And the score, is, to me, is was probably dead on of what the game should have been. The Rangers were that much better in this hockey game. Yeah, I, I, I just want to finish this thought on the first goal thing because there are other things to talk about, clearly. But So now 23 times the Oilers have allowed the first goal. That's the most in the league. Now, at the moment, the Oilers are still in a playoff spot. Mm-hmm. I know they've slipped in the standings, but they're, they're eighth in the West. So Montreal's allowed the first goal 22 times. They're not going to be anywhere near the playoffs. Seattle, 21. They're not going to be anywhere near in the playoffs. Vancouver, 20. Now they've rallied, but still, 
they're right now they're not in a playoff spot. They're still a few points out. Arizona, 19, not going to be anywhere near the playoffs. Uh, New Jersey, Buffalo, Ottawa, Detroit. All non-playoff teams. And well, then LA, LA and San Jose, have also, all those teams have allowed 18. LA and San Jose are, are hanging around. But generally, if you allow the first goal in the game, you're really poor. Now, yeah, well, you're a bad hockey player. are headed in that direction, given the way it's been going well, lately. Well, I mean, just common sense says that the team that is falls behind early in a hockey game is usually the, the team that's not as good. Because the other team's better, they're probably going to score more goals and typically score early. So the Oilers are in a, in a trend or in a, in a group that is not a group you want to be in. And the Oilers' record is much better than it should be based on the starts they've had this season. And you and I talked about when they were 9-1, when they were 16-5, there were a lot of games that they did not start very well. There were games that they were vastly outplayed and they were getting very, very good goaltending efforts that allowed them to uh, eventually get, that, get their legs and get the first goal. So this is a, a trend. Even the 10 times that they did score first, I bet you half of those were games that they probably shouldn't have been the team that scored first. So history, and we've been talking about this for a few years, history says the team that scored first generally 75% or whatever it is, they win the hockey game. Uh, if you want to get into a playoff series, and this is what I keep stressing with the Oilers, you're going to be playing better teams. You're not going to be playing all those teams that we just talked about. They're going to be non-playoff teams. The teams that you play against that score first, they win their hockey games. So if you go against Vegas or Calgary or Winnipeg or Colorado, if those teams score first on you, you're not coming back four times in a series against those teams. So this is something that the Oilers have to be better at, and that's just one thing. That is not the reason the Oilers have gone, uh, have two wins in their last 12 games. That's one of the reasons. Yeah. But that certainly isn't the only reason. Yeah, I agree. I mean, uh, I mean, Koskinen, again, uh, shoots the puck over the glass 15 seconds in, and then there's a misplay behind the net where the puck didn't make it into the trapezoid and he's cut out of the net and the Rangers center it and that to me that's him misjudging it plus probably some miscommunication and then uh, the Rangers uh, third goal on the power play I mean that's a frustrated one I, I know I know it was tipped right in mm-hmm. front of him but I mean it, it hits him just below the logo oh, hit and, him right and, in the belly. and it finds you know I guess that's what you say when when you're struggling you know, when, when a goalie's hot, it's like, well, he doesn't see it, but it, he, it hit him. And when a goalie's struggling, it, it's, it finds the, the, little, the little holes. Now, unfortunately, with Koskinen, we've seen um, too much of that. And, you know, I've said this a million times. He's, he's such a confounding goalie to watch sometimes because he'll, he'll, he'll make some big saves. Mm-hmm. I mean, the second period, you know, he stopped a breakaway and an immediate rebound yeah. where you think, oh, that's going in. And, and then two go in where it's like, come on. Well, the... When it comes to the first two, the, the goal, shooting the puck over the glass and then the misread as the puck's coming around, not getting to where he needs to be, those things happen. They happen to all goaltenders. But when they happen to other goaltenders, it's one that happened once at, in October that might happen again in March or might happen this year once and then it happens the following year. The problem is with Koskinen, these are things that are over and over and over again. He doesn't play the puck well. Right, and he creates turnovers that put him in a, him and his teammates in poor position. So it's not like you're jumping on a guy because okay, he made two mistakes. It happens. This is because it happens continually, and this Oiler team isn't a good enough team to overcome those mistakes. You might overcome it once, 
or twice, but not game in, game out. They're just not good enough. So 4-1, the Rangers take it. Lafreniere in the first, Goudreau in the second. McLeod got one back, Kreider on the power play, and then Strom scored. He was centering the puck, went in off Tyson Berry's skate to really put it away for the Rangers. One of the positives for the Oilers tonight, uh, the line of Ryan McLeod, Tyler Benson, and Kyle Turris. And we've talked about, you know, if those lower two lines if you got somebody playing well you know uh play them a little more well 13 and a half minutes for Benson and McLeod 11 and a half for Turris well Benson has had two really good games this year really good games where at the end of the night you're like you know what he might have been the best player on the ice it was the game in Seattle he played 15 minutes it's the game here tonight he played 13 and a half I've been on teams where I've played uh on the fourth line and I've played five six minutes you cannot have an impact on the game and I, I don't care what anyone says, when you're getting one shift every 12 minutes and then you'll go an entire period where you might not see the ice time and then you're told to go out there, you're jumping on the ice and you're playing against somebody that is in the flow of the game. They have a distinct advantage of you. You have to get some ice time if you want to have any impact in the game. And those two games that he played over 12 minutes, he was impactful. Now, I, I don't believe his ceiling is as high as everyone had hoped when he was drafted. But he has shown his ability and uh, willingness to change the style of game he plays. He, he's showing it. He'll go out and he'll hit people. He'll be a, a thorn in the side of the opposition. Uh, today, there was a really good play where the puck came up on the boards. He took a big hit to get the puck out, and it turned into a, an odd man break for his, his line mates. So those are things that... Uh, they've got to be rewarded because I can tell you from being in that position, if I go out and have a really good shift, and play, every player knows if they've had a good shift or bad shift, they never have to be told. If I go out and have a really good shift, and then I don't play again for 12 minutes, and I'm sitting on the bench, I just did what I was supposed yeah, to what do. Supposed what, to I do? mean, what do you want from me? So I think that's what's got to be given. If you go out and play well, you must be rewarded for that. And tonight they were, and... They were rewarded with ice time, and then they rewarded their teammates and their coaching staff with a very good hockey game. That's our adjustment of the game for Pro Drain Checks, a Pro Drain Tech's peace of mind down the line, but the Oilers lose 4-1 to the Rangers. Okay, we're going to hear from Dave Tippett in a couple minutes. He is uh, he is absolutely under fire. Um, you know, I know when they'd lost three, four in a row, a couple people called in about firing the coach, and I was like, well, look, it's it's got to get pretty bad for that to happen. Well, it's getting pretty bad, so we got to talk about it. Uh, two wins in 12 games is not good. Um, he was not on the bench for the two games they won, though. You know, I don't, I don't really, really think there's a correlation there. I think those were teams they probably could have beaten the way they were playing at that time. Anyway, you know, here's the here's the way I look at it. I don't think Ken Holland wants to fire the coach. Mm -mm. Uh, I think this organization, as everybody listening knows, has had uh, too many coaches. Quite frankly, and and some of the problems have persisted from coach to coach, making me believe that it's not all of this is on the coach the, the struggles of the Oilers have had over the years now I think some coaches have done better jobs than others clearly um, but there there's a point unfortunately where Ken Holland might have to say well I, I gotta shake it up like I just can't you know it can't just go on you know I don't know if a, I mean I guess there could be a trade or two we'll see mm -hmm. and they might have to go out and get a goalie if Smith can't play or yeah. he can't play at a high level, um, but you know a lot of it. A lot of it falls whether it's fair or not. Yep. A lot of this falls on the coach when this happens. It, it does, and I, I agree with you. I don't believe that uh, Holland wants to fire his coach. I really don't. 
I don't. I think that's the last thing that's on his mind. Having said that, the team can't continue going in the right, this direction. Now, I don't believe he's going to be fired. I think the team will find a way to get out of this funk. I don't know if they're ever going to get back to what the high expectations were, but they're not going to go two wins in 12 games every every stretch here. They're going to find a way to win some hockey games. Uh, but they have to be better, and they have to be... And it does. It starts with the coach. It's easier to get rid of one coach than it is to get rid of a number of hockey players. I still don't think that's going to happen anytime soon. But the longer things stretch out, then possibilities come into play. And... Uh, I, I hope it doesn't. I think Dave Tippett is a good coach. The problem is if you fire a coach, you look back and see uh, they, they fired Todd McClellan. He's a good coach. They, I mean, Ken Hitchcock, he's a Hall of Famer. Dallas Aikens, the guy they got rid of, uh, he, his team is ahead of the Oilers in the standings. Uh, so coaches have come through here and had the same or a large amount of the same core players that have had the exact same type of results. So at some point, when do you say, okay, is it the coach or is there other things that are at play in here? Um, to me, the, I think what Ken Holland would want to see is what this team fully healthy with their number one goalie and everyone out of cro- protocol and, and nudge back. But he may never see that, though, That's with the, the protocol yeah. this season. Yeah, you're right. And again, I think if Smith if Smith's health is that big a concern, then I think his hand is going to be forced to trade for a goalie. The, the, or, or unless or, you just say, Stuart Skinner, you're, you're playing more. Well, that, that might be it. it. It's one of those two. You, you look at you, and he talked about it when you, people are asking about trade deadline, and he's been asked that a few th- times, and he said, well, when we get to the deadline, we'll see where we are, standings-wise. And we'll see where we are if we're a team that we can compete. And if we are a team that I have belief in that we can go somewhere in the playoffs, I'll make moves. Well, now you got to look at the team right now. Is this a team with a goalie? Is it good enough to go two, three rounds? Uh, I mean, you got to ask a serious question. So, because if it's not, well, nothing, nothing's as transformative as a high-end goalie if you can get. Well, but, but that's if, if it's gotta, like a top six or seven goalie in the league. Yeah, but you're, you're, what you have to give up to get it? Right. Is it someone that's going to be here for just? two months or is it someone that's going to be here for three years if you're going to make a big deal to get this goal and it's not enough to get into the playoffs i mean you're giving up a whole lot and right. hoping so i think you got to look take a good long look at where you are as you get closer to the deadline the problem is if mike smith's not in the lineup for for a stretch uh, or doesn't get back to where he was last year because so far he hasn't played anywhere close to where he was last year and injuries are a big problem a big part of that but if they don't they might not be put themselves in a position ha- at deadline to go out and find a goaltender because it might be too late. Yeah. Because without, I, I, I've said it for three years here, the Oilers are a team that can't get by with just with good goaltending. This is a team that needs really good goaltending because again tonight in the second period, they gave up two breakaways, two three on ones. When's the last time we saw an Oilers team get a three on one this season? They gave up two three on ones in the second period and two two on ones. Five odd man breaks in the second yeah, well, period that, alone. Well, that's another thing. There's a lot of stress on, and and to, and to me, Rob, I, I really noticed that the last couple of games. So it's it's probably been going on most of the season. Like the Oilers' defense, to me, we like we know they they cough up the buck. They look slow. Yes, they do. Uh, they get they. There was a bunch of races to pucks that they were the second player getting to the puck when they've had head starts. Um, that is a in a, a league with speed, that's a problem. But to me, this is a team that just gives up way too many grade-A scoring opportunities, which, again, puts a lot of stress on goaltenders. Uh, and, well, and I go back to the other night. Mike Smith, everyone talked about, you know, he played pretty good. He gave up six goals. 
So what does that mean? How many grade-A scoring chances are you giving up if your goaltender wasn't awful and he gave up six? So there, there's things that need to be fixed, and it's not just uh, scoring first, and it's not just a goaltender. A good goaltender will cover up a lot of your well, yeah, warts. It makes a huge difference. But it, what do you have to give up to get that big goaltender? Yeah. Because... They don't. You don't get a, a top six goalie no, in the league. No, yeah, and as we've <laughs> talked about, nobody's teams aren't lined up to help other teams. No, you know, and if the Oilers were doing well, they wouldn't be lined up to help somebody at the bottom of the standings necessarily. Yeah, I mean, a, a really tough go. Two eight and two now for the Oilers in their last twelve games. They lose four one to the New York Rangers. Back to Madison Square Garden, and here is Dave Tippett. Same stuff that you're seeing game after game. I thought we did a lot of things well tonight. Our goaltender wasn't very good, and we didn't uh, find enough pucks at the net to, uh, to get us back in the game. You, there's been talk of starts in this for this team. You know, they get you know they get a power play early in the first period. They don't score on it, but they score about five minutes into the game. Then about this three, score, what do you what do you want to do? Like, what do you, I mean, it's, it's a brutal it's, mistake. It's, it's a brutal mistake. What are you going to do? Yeah. Right? Call it what it is. <laughs> We're playing well. It's a brutal mistake. Call it what it is. The season, frustrations happen through a course of a season. Teams go into slumps and whatnot. This is extended now for about a month. Um, mm -hmm. How do you think the guys are handling it? Uh, I think there's a lot of adversity here. We're learning a lot about our team. Gone through a lot of injury issues and COVID issues. And um, we haven't played as well as we'd like to as a group. So... There's lots to improve on. And, and one more thing, you, you had mentioned it earlier, you, you know, when you have the top-ranked power play coming in, if you're an opposing coach, you're saying don't give them power plays. You guys mm -hmm. had two tonight, you had none the other. Are you doing enough to generate them at all? Trying to, but obviously not. Uh, Dave, that uh, Gorgiev save, was that kind of a, a late uh, with, with Connor? I mean, you got your captain, he makes a great shot. That, that might have been a goal possible goal that could have turned things yeah in. i mean you're looking for some you're looking for a spark like that for sure but speaking of sparks uh, the mcleod line uh, what did you think of them yeah they were they were good mcleod was really good skated well tonight benson got his first point which was uh of the year which is good hopefully that's a step forward for them yeah first assist of the season for uh tyler benson tonight that's dave tippett uh saying bluntly the goaltending wasn't good enough and a brutal mistake. And he's right. I mean, and that's, again, that's an ongoing theme for us too through a lot of this stretch is uh, when the Oilers make a mistake, it's it's a big one. I mean, we flipped over to the football game now. I mean, it's like, it's like, okay, do you want the quarterback, do you want the quarterback that throws for 350 and three interceptions or do you want the guy that throws for 250 and zero interceptions? Most coaches are going to take the guy oh, that doesn't throw the picks. That doesn't put you in a, in a stressful situation. Yeah. And, and that's what we're seeing right now with teams playing against the Oilers. They're just not making big mistakes. And why? Because they're playing simple. They're getting pucks out. They're flipping it off the glass. I don't know how many times tonight where the Rangers in their own zone flipped the puck 100 feet in the air and just out of the zone, and then they would start uh, their forecheck from there. They're just not, they, they've, the league has decided that the Oilers are too skilled to trade chances with. So they are just feasting on Oilers' mistakes. And what the Oilers are doing, they're coming up, and they're just trying to force things, risk-reward. And unfortunately for the Oilers, the reward hasn't been as big as the risks have been. All right, 4-1, the Rangers win it. Whenever the Oilers score five or more in a game, we turn on the Japanese Village goal light on 630Ched.com. 
That allows you to print up a coupon for a free appetizer to Japanese Village featuring Japanese AS Wagyu. Visit jvedmonton.ca. This was the only game in the NHL tonight. I mentioned uh, Monday Night Football. We'll be out here 10 nothing Steelers. It's still second quarter. Yeah, and what could be Ben Rosenberger's last game ever as a Pittsburgh Steeler. Yeah, I've Steeler. seen some fans have some signs saying... Well, yeah, and they showed him coming home, out. Home game, because yes. they got an away game. Oh, that's right, yes. They got, a, they got an outside shot of yes. the playoffs. Yes, and they showed him coming oh, it's out. it's in the third. Sorry, it's in the third now. He had some tears in his eyes and soaking up the emotion. So it, it might possibly, but yeah, it, it's not a lot of sports on tonight. It kind of sucks when you don't have seven or eight other hockey games that we can throw on after ours to watch while we do our show. Scoreboard presented by Edmonton Trailer. Looking for parts, service, rentals, or new and used semi-trailers, head to edmontontrailer.com. Okay, you can get us at 780-496-0063. We'll welcome Brian to the show. Brian, you're on with Robin Reed. Go ahead. Hey, hi, boys. I hope you guys had a good year to Christmas. Uh, just wanted to uh, bring up a thought. Uh, do you guys actually think that, because I'm hearing a lot of talk, that, that, that Hall might drop the hammer on, on the coaching situation? And, and I know that there's been a lot of talk about lots of coaches coming through Edmonton, same result. But what the thing is, is when you got a team, and I've been on teams, if you've got a bad vibe, then that makes it really difficult because they got that they got that big clown that that frustration clown going on and and it's a it's a tough thing. So how do you think they're going to go over that adversity? Yeah, well, I think again with the coaching stuff, I, I don't think Ken Holland wants to make a coach. I don't think any GM ever wants nope. to make a coaching change because a lot of times it's the guy he hired, and that's I mean that's a major organizational move. Like when you think about it, like coaches make a few million dollars, mm-hmm. so then you're telling your owner like, okay, we're going to pay this guy not to coach our team. Now, for tip, it would be 49 games or whatever. Yep. And then, you know, you got to say, well, okay, I thought he was going to be the right coach. And, and like, that's and, – and this is why, like, I know I, – and, you know, Brian said, well, there's a lot of talk about uh, the tip being fired. Well, that's that's fans who are angry and fed up. Yeah. And, and, I, and I get it. You know, I've always – you know, I don't celebrate a coach getting fired, even if the team's doing bad, because I try to look at the human side yeah, of it. absolutely. Like, but uh, he did he did say, like, this is not, oh, they, they had a 10-game stretch where they went 4-4-2. Four, four, and two. Like, you know, where it was like, ah, kind of mediocre. Like, this, so there is, there is a cloud. Like, they all know, like Tip said, well, we're going through adversity and you're learning about yourself, which can be important, but there's still that cloud. And as you said, Rob, you can't, not, they're not going to change 12 players on the roster between this game and Toronto. No, I, I mean, you look at his body of work. I mean, they haven't done what they want in the playoffs, but his body of work in the regular season is very good on a whole. Um, so you fire a coach that's got a, I don't know what it is, 600 winning percentage uh, during his tenure here. Who do you bring in? Is it worth it? Is it is it the coach? Is it the team? Uh, and this is a team that right now they're they're just hanging on. To a playoff spot. Yeah. If this team does not make the playoffs, well, yeah, he's go- they they will make changes. Yeah, and then they wouldn't have to fire. Then him. they wouldn't have to fire him. So, so not renewed. Honestly, I don't unless unless they go six more games without a win. I don't believe they're going to make a change. Now, the one big thing that they've got right now is they played Toronto, and again, tonight's loss. They're not supposed to beat the New York Rangers. The Rangers are a better team than them. The Rangers now have the most points in the National Hockey League. They're playing they're on... they're not beating... <laughs> yeah, they're on home ice. No, no, but I'm just saying, don't get ever all upset about tonight's game. And then Toronto's game. Toronto's a better team than them, too. So those are games they're not supposed to win. Now, the Jersey game and the Islander game, well, that's different. But tonight, they weren't supposed to win. They're not supposed to win in Toronto. But after that Toronto game, they have one game in 13 days. 
They're going to be able to reset. They're going to be able to practice. They're going to be able to work on things. There is a, a, a whiteboard of things that they need to work on. This isn't one or two things that they're doing wrong in hockey games. Like I know that Dave Tippett said that goaltending wasn't good tonight, and it, it wasn't great. But that second period, the New York Rangers could have had three or four more goals with all the odd man breaks they got. So there's there's a lot of things that need to be get better for the Edmonton Oilers to start going in the right direction. This, the last 15 games, does not look like a team that, A, uh, is capable of winning rounds in the playoffs, or B, right now even making it. Now, I still stand by, and I said before, the Oilers will be a playoff hockey club, but they've got to... They, they need a reset after this Toronto Maple Leaf game, regardless of what happens in that game. they got to start finding... Uh, a better way to play because the way they have been playing as of late isn't good enough. Yeah, and again, again we've talked about that. Uh, I mean, it's funny. They have, what, one power play goal in the last five games, and they're still th- over 31% yeah. for the season because it, they just drop a couple tenths of a percent every game because they're only getting one or two power plays. And I set the line at two and a half power plays on the face-off show and brian picked under and he wins a 50 dollars river Cree resort and casino gift card river Cree resort and casino excitement bet on it and neither of those power plays were a full two minutes they were both they were both ranger power plays where mm-hmm. then the rangers took a penalty there was some four on four but again you know, so just reiterate because we had a lot of talk about refing earlier in the season this is not a critique on the refs no. the oilers are not doing enough to draw power plays and or teams are Teams are smart. Defending wisely. Yep. Yeah, teams are they're they're smart. And some of the and honestly, Rob, and some of the the penalties the Oilers have taken, like they've taken some ozone penalties where it's like, like what are you doing? Well, like reaching out, like the the the, the trip McLeod, McLeod took frust like frustrating, but he's back trying to defend. Yes, and he turns around and trips the guy. Okay, that happens when you're trying to check. Fogel tonight takes a high sticky yeah, penalty in the offensive zone. No, at that, that point, the game is over. But still. There were, well, there was a couple others in the last yeah. games. No, they, again, the other teams are doing a smart job against the others. you got to do the same against the opposition. Because right now, when you're not getting power plays and you're not scoring power play goals, when the opposition scores one power play goal, that's enough. Because five on five, you're, you're losing that battle most nights. So... Uh, yeah, the Oilers, there's a lot of things that need to be better. And when frustration happens, and there's certainly frustration on this team, when frustration happens, things seem to compound. And all of a sudden, you start forcing things. You start getting away from what makes you successful. You start uh, getting out of uh, what you need to do. And I think you're seeing that in parts. There's When the Oilers, and you've talked about it a lot, when the Oilers defensemen pinch, in inopportune times, and all of a sudden turn even man situations into odd man situations. Uh, they're doing it sometimes. They're doing it trying to create something going the other way, trying to create a big hit or a turnover, and that's not playing smart hockey. And it's been biting the Oilers in the butt for for the last dozen hockey games. All right. The hotline presented by Certainty, the pro's choice for roofing, siding, drywall, insulation, and ceiling systems. Certainty Pro all the way. We'll welcome Sir Robert to the show as the Rangers beat the Oilers 4-1. Sir Robert, go ahead. Uh, hey, guys. How you doing? Good. Well, I mean, I guess uh, I want to start with a little bit here on Tippett. I agree with uh, uh, Rob Brown. I don't think they're going to fire him unless like, unless this 2-12 and becomes a, becomes a 5-20 and or a 5-25 and game stretch. Then they'll fire him until when and if that happens. I think he's here at the very least till the end of the season now on to the game. 
again, we've been talking about it. This falling behind, frankly, frankly to me, it's getting a little silly to watch. That that it's that it's all that it's almost like, well, it's almost like when the game starts, they're down one nothing. But I mean, you know what? The Rangers are better. I agree with that. Toronto's better. I agree with that. So, you know what? I think, I think, uh, I think this team. You know what? I'd rather, I'd rather have this stretch two eight and two now, when you've still got forty nine games of of runway or whatever it is to work with, as opposed to say we're in March and April and we're down to ten games or less to go, and we're barely hanging on to a playoff spot. That's just me. Yeah. Thanks, Robert. We appreciate it. Well, I mean, it's funny. He's brought up the first goal again. I know I'm beating a dead horse here, but when they stop, we'll stop talking about it when it stops happening. How's that? Like when Koskinen shot the puck over the glass and gave the Rangers a power play, what did I say to you, Rob? Okay, now here's how... Like, I'm just... I'm not wondering if it'll be one nothing. I'm wondering how it's going to get to be one nothing. That's that's the crazy thing. Like I'm not sitting there thinking, oh, I wonder if the Oilers will get the first one tonight. I'm wondering how is the opposition score going to score today? Is it going to be a Bad great penalty, play? Yeah. A breakdown, great play. It's not going to happen until maybe the second period tonight. But the Oilers won't have scored. By the way, I, I if I on globalnews.ca and 630ched.com today, if you go to the Oilers page, I summarized all the first goals against the Oilers have given up, except except for tonight. So, uh, and I went back and checked. So of the 23 times they've allowed the first goal against, 15 times it's been in the first 10 minutes. Yeah, it's it's not a good start to a game. No, so you're. Yeah, like you're putting yourself on the back heel right away. And and what the earlier a team scores first, and earlier the team gets to play a much more defensive, staunch type defense against Connor and Leon. They then they get to back off. They they don't have to force anything. They put four guys in the neutral zone. Like how many times tonight did we see? Well, tonight or in the last two three weeks, where Connor or Leon picked the puck up. And they'll get by the first guy, and then there's a second wave. And they'll start going around with that guy, and there's a third wave because all the defenders are back. No one's chasing them from behind because they're already between them and the net because teams are sitting back when those two are on the ice because they don't have to force something because they're in the lead already. All right, we'll go to Fred on the Certainty Hotline as well. Hey, Fred. Oh, boy, I'm perplexed, dumbfounded by what I'm witnessing out in the ice. As far as goaltending, Bring Skinner up, make him your number one until Smith gets back. Uh, can you guys tell me, since Connor's been here, who's been a true number one goalie? Maybe Talbot, that's about it. Well, eh? Talbot was very good for about uh, uh, almost two years. Yeah, he was. Like, and, the, the, yes. the last about two-thirds of, the, of 15 and 16, he was very good. Like you saw signs of it, and then obviously in 16, 17, he was excellent. And he's playing good this year, actually. But yep. um, as far as coaching, boy, oh, boy, okay, you lose to Toronto. And you know what? I kind of disagree, Rob. Uh, the Rangers-Toronto were a better hockey team. Uh, earlier in the year, we were right up there with every team in the league. Like, yeah, but that was the, I, I, the early season, Oilers 9-1 and and 16-5. and There were some games that they didn't deserve to win. I totally and, agree. And there. Toronto and the New York Rangers, they've had, I mean, the Rangers have the most points in the NHL right now. They have the most points in the NHL, and the Toronto Maple Leafs might be the hottest team in the NHL. So yeah. the Edmonton Oilers right now are not as good no, as those I, two teams. I totally get that, but as far as coaching, uh, say you do lose the next game, you got 10 days between 
uh, games, uh, this city is going to be pretty uh, choked up and I don't know. I don't want to get rid of the coach, but it might be the right move right now. Well, that, and that's what we're saying. Thanks for that. It, that unfortunately, sometimes it, it becomes a necessity yeah. just because the record is you can't you can't, you know, be two wins in 17 games and no, you're not, right. not do anything as a GM. Like you have to send a message to your players that, OK, we're willing to shake it up here. But now I, I don't believe they'll make a change. I don't think they need to make a change. Having said both those things, if you're ever going to make a change and you have one game in 13 days, there's a great time to bring in a new coach to get to know his players. To, to have go like a mini training camp yes, after absolutely. the Ottawa game. Yeah. Like, I, I, don't, I, I don't know if, I don't think they're going to do it, but if you're ever going to look at something, instead of bringing a coach in, like Bruce Boudreau, I think he came in the day of a game and he didn't know some of his players' names on the bench. Yeah. And that, that's a tough way to come in. But if you come in and now you got, oh, I got seven days before the first game and then I play and then I got six more before the next one, all of a sudden I can get to know the players, I can put in systems. Now, having said that, if a coaching change is made, and I, I again, unless it keeps going, I mean, it, it, there's most likely it's probably one of the guys that's already on the bench that takes over. Normally, that's the way it happens. But, I mean, out there, Babcock's out there. I don't know if that's a good fit for the Edmonton Oilers. Well, I Babcock's don't... out there. Maurice is Maurice out, there. out there. Vigneault's no. out there. Yeah. I mean, I know a lot of people are like, well, just promote Jay Woodcroft from the farm. I, I don't know. I mean, that might be a difficult situation for him to come into. Like, I wonder, and I'm totally speculating here, like, I wonder if Tippett goes if Playfair goes too. Because they're always together. Because they're all always together. Yep. So then is Gulletson the, the interim and maybe Jay comes up to be the assistant, or or do you bring in an experienced guy? Yeah, I don't know. Like it, that's that's the I mean that's well, probably what Ken Holland is going to have to the, consider the, here. Yeah, and and the problem for uh, when you say no, it's not going to happen. You just look around the league right now, and someone like Bruce Boudreau comes into the Vancouver Canucks, and instantly that team is better. Now it's the same team, but it's a different voice. Um, having said, and I don't I, actually, I don't know what Winnipeg's done since Maurice left. I don't know if you know better. somebody posted today the re- team's record since the coaching change, and I was just looking for it. Now I can't find it. But, I, I, but they were all ballpark except yeah. for Vancouver. Vancouver was the one that had the big change. Okay, Boilers so. lose four-one. We'll get to more of your calls here, and you'll hear from Ryan McLeod. This is Heartland Ford overtime open line. Popped off the glass, and now the Rangers the three-on-one. McKeg gets it back, back door. One extra pass from Greg McKeg and the Rangers maybe had the wrong threesome out there for a three-on-one. Yeah, Rangers couldn't convert there. That is Miko Koskinen save of the game for Reface Magic. Transform your kitchen with EC the Magic at refacemagic.ca. A couple of bad goals allowed tonight by Koskinen, but uh, didn't get the offensive support either as the Oilers lose 4-1 to the Rangers. The shots were uh, 34-28 in favor of the Oilers. I think the you know, the, you talk about score effects that when you're behind, you're. Uh, I mean, the Oilers outshot the Rangers 14 12 in the second period. That was Edmonton's best period. I mean, they had some dangerous chances there, but uh, yeah, in the third period. But then McDavid's chance was dangerous. That was really great. Great save. It, yeah. There was a slight chance of a comeback. They had the power play. McDavid scores there. There's still time left down one. Uh, Georgie, the fifth, makes a fantastic. That was by far his best save of the night. And Connor and Leon. Uh, leave New York pointless. All right, back to the Certainty Hotline. We have Mike standing by. Hello, Mike. Go ahead. Hi, Reid. Um, I, I think we're in a spot now where, you know, it doesn't feel like Dave Tippett has lost the room. It just feels like they're lost. Like, 
I think at the start of the year, our five-on-five play wasn't where it needed to be, but it was camouflaged by our special teams. And now our special teams have kind of come back down to earth. And, um, you know, Connor and Leon were on a 200-point pace to start the season. And that was, you know, hiding a, a lot of the deficiencies in the in this group i just i feel like tactically we're we're just we're just not in the game we're not generating enough that's that's dangerous you know and uh mistakes become you know the nail in the coffin and it seems like that happens early and i mean that's not all on the coaching staff but i think something's got to give here this is this is getting away and i think this is a this is a more talented group than it was last season Mm-hmm. And the way they're going, they're they're going to miss the playoffs. But you know, yeah, they here, keep dropping for here, sure. Here's my question to you, though: is 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 it the tactics, or is the team not good enough? I don't know. Like to me, this is a more talented roster than what we had on the ice last year. Well, yeah, it should. It should. I mean, even just adding Hyman <laughs> makes right. them better. True, right? but I just to me the, the the biggest problem for this team is defensively. They're not good. This is not a good defensive team. Uh, they give up way too many grade-A scoring chances against. When, when you say that, are you keying on just the defensemen themselves? Or no, I, I'm talking about as a, in, in, as a whole. I think as a whole, yeah. the, I don't I, think, I think the defense is not the strength of their team. I, and I think yeah. the Oilers give up a lot of odd man breaks. And that's, when it's an odd man break, it's not just the defenseman. That means there's forwards not coming back. Right. And that's not tactics. I've never, I've never known a coach that has said, okay, we got to give up uh, a three on Don't two. Back check. Don't back check. Don't be the high man. I mean, that's that's choices. So I just don't know if the, is is this team, is it better than last year? And again, the team that was, the others had last year lost four straight in the first round. So yeah, uh, yeah I I don't uh, there I is it coach? They, is it they should be better or? than two wins in twelve games though. If, yeah. if this is a, if this is an all in season, then when do you cut people loose? Yeah, well, but, that's, but that's, yeah, like co- coaching-wise, you're talking obviously. Let's but is this an all-in season? Because again, you have to look at your team. Is your team good enough for you to go all in? Are well, the others okay. good enough? That's what that's what Holland tells us, right? Is that he's all in this yeah, season? Yeah, he said that. So, but then he also said that he's going to wait for the trade deadline to see where the team is before he makes a decision on well, making a move. Sure. Yeah, I guess. So he's gonna, he has to say that. Mike, we got Mike, we got to get to the news. Uh, that was that was a good call, and I liked how he put that. That's. Like they at times they look lost. Like there were times tonight when I thought they are just not going to score. Now of course two minutes after that McLeod scored. But well, it's funny you say that. And there's times out there where I don't think they know how to play good defensive hockey. So that's a, that's not a good combination. No, it's not a good combo right now. <laughs> and when they did get five, they gave up six. So that that didn't help either. All right, uh, quick timeout for the news and weather. I think it's cold out. I don't know. I try not to go outside. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Oilers lose 4-1. Rangers 4, Oilers 1 is the final. So the Oilers are 0-2-2 with a game remaining on their five-game road trip. That is at Toronto on Wednesday, 3.30 face-off show, game at 5. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. A special hello to Cam Tate, who I believe is checking out the show tonight and may have been doing some emergency bus driving. Uh, I understand this evening. I'm not sure what the story is there. We'll have to talk to Cam Tate about that. No, that is. Or he's cool. pulling my leg, which Cam has been known to do. Yes, he's he's a jokester. He's he did he stand can, up comedy a few years ago. He's very funny. He can drive my bus any day he wants. All right. I hope Cam heard that because he said there might be a little something for 6:30. Chad Santa's anonymous. Oh, uh, nice. If I, 
if I did that. He's a good man, Cam Tate. Very good man. Uh, I can tell you this. $100 to 630 Ted Santa's Anonymous tonight from James H. Brown and Associates. Unrivaled experience, unrivaled commitment, unrivaled results. They're going to have $100 every time the Oilers score this season. All right. 780-496-0063. Is it Tony up next? Tony, go ahead. Hey, boys. How's it going? Good, Tony. What's up with you? Uh, I'm ch- Honestly, I'm trying to stay positive through this whole situation because I really went outside as soon as the third goal happened. I said, you know what? This game's done. Boys have no life. You know, end the game, whatever. Um, I want to make a few... I want to ask a few questions, okay? The first one is, do you think even if we fired Dave Tippett that this team would change drastically? No, I have no idea, honestly. Because I feel like even if we fired Dave Tippett, and and I'm sorry to be mean to him, but it seems like we're hoping and we're hoping and we're hoping that Mike Smith is going to be back and going to be back to the way he was. And yet we have Koskinen, where I've actually looked up his stats, and, yeah, he played good against the Islanders, and he had a 903 against Carolina, but he is giving up goals, like the one to Chris Kreider tonight that he shouldn't have. And well, two goals he shouldn't have tonight. And, and like we talked about early, Tony, that's, that's the frustration with Koskinen. It's not that he never plays well. It's that he'll make five excellent saves, and then it's like that puck was going two miles an hour, and he <laughs> let it in. That's yeah, that's I'm, the that's the mind bending part. I'm just wondering because you guys are saying that you know they're hoping and they're hoping and they're hoping, and it's got just gotten to the point where you know we can hope as much as we want, but hope can only take you so far before you can decide. Okay, well, Smith might not be back. You know, and Koskinen, he's a good backup, but he'll have two or three good games, and then he'll have a, a few stinkers. So what, what are you saying here, then? Um, honestly, I don't know what we can do about goaltending because, as you guys said, there's no way that we can get a top-end goaltender or starting goaltender by a time. No, we didn't say happens. there's no way that no. they couldn't get a top-end goaltender. It's going to cost it them. Would, it, would, it would cost them. Yeah. yeah. So that's why everyone. So that's what we're saying. Thanks, Tony. Can like, we get, like when, can, we get, can we get rid of our first round pick? Well, well, we first, get rid of first any, they can. Get rid they of anything. Whatever they want. Yeah. But you got to you got to find a, a partner. You got to find someone that wants to yeah. trade with. You got to find someone that's going to work uh, salary wise. You got to find someone that wants what you have. There's a lot of things, but we're still hoping that Mike Smith comes back uh, because that right now is the best case scenario. Mike Smith comes back healthy, plays, and all's good in Orlando. Yes. But that decision, like we're getting close to a decision having to be made. That's that's what I'm saying. I mean, earlier when people were calling, like first week in November, yeah. it's like, well, okay, but well, I mean, the I mean thi- March 21st is the deadline, so <laughs> yeah. a little over two months. And if Smith is out, no, well, maybe this one we, isn't, yes. is we don't know. But if if later this week, hypothetically, if they say, well, Smith's out two months, you have to get a goalie. Well, yes. Well, Bob Bob thinks that there's a good chance Smith's playing on Wednesday. And then Smith's going to have a game. He's going to have a lot of practice time, play a game against Ottawa, have a lot of practice time. And at that point, you're going to be able to go on a run with Mike Smith, and you're going to be able to see, is Mike Smith the Mike Smith that we saw last year? And if he is, then the Oilers aren't going to go out and get a goaltender. If he's not, then the Oilers got a big decision to make. Okay, we got a good fella on the line as well. Good fella, thanks for calling. Go ahead. 
Having me. Uh, I'm going to be. I'm going to try to be not too negative, but I, I want to ask you, Rob. I've got a couple of points I'd like to make, but I want to ask you, Rob. Um, I'm looking at the last couple of seasons here, and uh, they've been pretty clean, like almost perfect. Like we're kind of usually the last team to lose three games in a row. Uh, we're one of these teams that almost never loses two in a row. I'm talking the last season, yep. not this season. Yeah. Um, and I was saying to my friends, I said, look how clean those seasons were. They were really, really pretty seasons. We're like top 12 teams, really good power play, really good PK. And it resulted in nothing in the playoffs. And then you ended up with teams. I know they had elite goaltenders, which obviously is the big difference. But guys like Montreal and teams like, um, uh, uh, maybe not Montreal last year, but well, Winnipeg Canadians, for sure. The Canadians kind of squeaked in last year. Don't forget. They just dragged themselves in. Now, Rob, and I don't want to leave you out of the streets, but Rob as a player, these horrible streaks they must teach you something they must teach you to is it be tough mentally stick together as a team because it seems like these teams that drag themselves in always like our, our team in 06 and la kings i know they had a really good team that year they won the cup but they drag themselves in in the last spot and then they just they, they're yeah. battle hardened yeah, Rob, if that makes sense yeah no you're, you're absolutely right facing adversity you never want to face adversity for the first time in a season come a playoff round because you don't know how your players are going to react to it uh, how the coach is going to react, your goaltending. You want to you want to face adversity during the season. Now you're going to find out right now which players can do what, which players get better during adversity, which players crumble, uh, how your goaltender reacts under adversity. So, yeah, so all those teams that faced adversity, when they get to the playoff, there's nothing they haven't seen. When you're a team that has a, a clean sheet and you get in the playoffs and all of a sudden, hey, wait a sec, we just lost the first game in overtime. We always win in overtime. Then we're down 2 nothing. Well, we've never lost two in a row. Those are not. That's not when you want to see what your team is made of. You need to know before you get to that playoff stretch because that you can, when you face adversity and you find out what you have that's good, what you have that's bad, come trade deadline, you can start going out and getting the pieces that you feel you were missing in those bad times. Yeah. No, to be fair, last year the Oilers did start three and six. Yeah. And then we had a lot of, uh-oh. And they, they didn't play very good defense. No, no. And Koskinen had some up and downs there, too. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean here's the thing. Like, we'll, we'll never know. Like, we won't know probably for another month or so, really, now how the Oilers react to this. Either th- this is going to go on or... It, maybe they're going to have a hot streak, and it's like, oh, okay, well, now they've. Read, I mean, we you can't really know. No, you can't. Uh, again, if they they win in Toronto, all of a sudden it's a one-two and two road trip, which it's isn't still horrible. not great. Not great, but not horrible, as opposed to losing and going just getting two points. Out getting of two points, so uh, things can change quickly. Uh, I, in all honesty, they, this again it goes back to the same thing. They need better goaltending. They need to play better five-on-five. And if they play better five-on-five, then they'll get more power plays and they'll have a better chance of winning hockey games. It's not just one thing right now. There's a number of reasons. When teams lose over a long course like the others have, it's not one thing. No, exactly. There's there's a number of reasons why they're losing. And uh, the special teams tonight, the uh, Rangers go one for four on the power play and the Oilers go... 0 for 2, and again, both of those were very abbreviated. I think they barely got two minutes of power play time through the two power plays. That update for Extreme Power Products, your full-line Kubota dealer with locations in St. Paul, Westlock, and Vegreville. Check out Extreme with an X, powerproducts.com. Sorry, 1 for 5 on the Rangers, uh, for the Rangers on the power play. Yeah, the Oilers were 0 for 2, but they only had 209 of power play. So that's, yeah, they, they got to find a way, like... 
dig in, win battles, try to draw more penalties. Well, when that's your biggest strength, you got to get to your biggest strength. Yeah. Okay, we'll take more of your calls in a second here. It was a pretty good game for Ryan McLeod. Here he is. On and trying to get into it, and every time you sort of got a little bit closer that they would just find another way to, to, to build on your lead. What, how would you kind of describe the evening? Uh, yeah, I thought, you know, we played solid for certain stretches, but uh, we're kind of just not getting bounces right now, and, you know, other teams are against us. Um, you know, I got some goals off feet and stuff like that, so it's... Uh, should I keep calling? I think just keep grinding, and, uh, you know, hopefully we can turn around. Can you give us a sense just... Uh, I don't know if it's frustration, but just the feel on the bench is you, you are scratching and clawing and, and playing reasonably well, but unfortunately not quite well enough to get more wins. Yeah, I mean, obviously we're a little frustrated, but uh, I think there's a lot of hope in that room. I think we know, you know how good we could be. And, and uh, you know, I think we're, you know, we're pretty close to getting that, that service again. So I think we should keep going the same way. Maybe just crank it up a little bit harder, work on our details a bit more, and I think we should be good to go. What did you think of your line and, and how uh, good you looked tonight? Yeah, I thought we had a pretty good game in the uh, you know, first two periods. And even the third, uh, you know, just hopefully we can get one more to, to kind of get us back in the game there. Uh, Ryan, uh, obviously a hot topic around this club has been the starts. Uh, where do you begin to start addressing that? Uh, yeah, I mean, it's obviously an area where we want to you know, improve on. We've been you know, kind of trailing every game so far, so it's been uh, it's been tough to kind of you know, get back in the games when uh, you know, teams are playing pretty tight against us. So. I think, uh, you know, hopefully next week we can get the first one and start rolling. Uh, chasing a game is a phrase that you guys have said you guys hear too often, uh, especially lately. At the National Hockey League level, can you talk about the contrast of chasing the game as opposed to being ahead and playing your own game? Yeah, I mean, it's tough. There's a lot of, you know, good players. You know, teams are uh, you know, really going to shut it down when they get the lead. So, um, you know, it's a huge advantage having the lead. And, uh, you know, obviously when we're playing with, we have a lot more confidence. And, you know, right now we've uh, been chasing. It's been, uh, it's been tough on us. Well, that's Ryan McLeod, who played on the Oilers' most dangerous line tonight, quite frankly, with Tyler Benson and Kyle Turris. They uh, had a goal, had some good scrambles around the net, or at least they're hacking away at the puck. I mean, they threw the puck into the crease. They got it over the blue line, and they they, they put it into the slot or into the crease. And at they, least the, there was some chaos when they were on the ice. They played to their strengths, and that's what you have to do. Understand who you are as a player, what your role is as a line, and then play to that. Don't try to dipsy-doodle. Don't try drop passes. Get across the blue line. If you have a shooting lane, shoot. And know that you're not line mates. are going to hang out in the front of the net and try to create chaos. Okay, we got Ted on the Certainty Hotline as well. Hey, Ted, go ahead. How are you guys doing? Oh, good, Ted. Yeah, go ahead, man. Listen, we have to change the pay rate here for these guys. These guys are stealing our money, people's money. They're getting fifty dollars to $100,000 a game. For what? That's just like stealing money. They take the money, put it in their pocket, they laugh about it. Okay, thanks, Ted. Appreciate it. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We also have Bob standing by. Hey, Bob, go ahead. Hi, how are you guys? Good. Well, I think you, you guys hit the nail on the head to some degree. There's multiple multiple problems. I think I said after Game Five, watching, I said, you know what? We are too loose. We are too undisciplined. We're unruly, and it's going to catch you up to us eventually. Goaltending. There's a little bit goes on the general manager as well. We, we gambled. We gambled and said, yeah, these two goaltenders will kick us through the year. I don't think it's going to fly. I think the other thing with the compressed schedule now coming another 50 games and playing almost every day or every second day, uh, Smith's going to wear out. He's going to be hurt. What are we going to do? Well, I, would, I would be making a goaltender trade now. Yeah, they might yeah. have to. Well, I mean, they try, I mean, the past two years, they tried to get Markstrom and, you know, we're looking at Kemper and stuff and, 
they didn't get them. And, I mean, you made a good point. The, the schedule is going to come into play for all the teams. Uh, fatigue will be a factor, and whether it's your goaltending or whatever, it's fatigue and injuries. Now, when you start getting later in the season, when they have a compact schedule, an injury that might miss four games now might be seven games just because everything's going to be so much closer together. All right, Oilers fall 4-1 to the Rangers. We'll get again a couple more calls here. It's Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. New York Rangers beat the Edmonton Oilers 4-1. We got Monday Night Football on the flat screen here. Minute and a half into the fourth quarter. Steelers leading the Browns 13-7. Squeeze in a few of your more calls here before 9 o'clock. We got Cam standing by. Go ahead, Cam. How's it going? Good. Listen, I just was wondering, if Holland does a couple of trades, let's say three, he gets a goalie and he gets a top six guy or uh, maybe in a bottom six uh, defenseman. So if the goalie saves you, probably wins you 20 games and your top guy gives you the, maybe uh, 10 to 15 goals and your bottom guy gives you 10 to 15 goals, is that enough for them to get to the playoffs, you think? Well, <laughs> yeah, probably, but that's, wow. I mean, You're asking for an awful lot Yeah, right I mean, there. if you get a... Like, here's the thing. I don't. I don't think they're gonna trade for two guys that could score 15 goals between now and the end of the season. Because you're giving up a lot to get that. Yeah. I mean, I really think. I, I mean, in, in a fairy tale world, you can just get everything you need. They could use another player who could play on the second or third line. Maybe some versatility. Yep. And I really think they need another left shot top four defenseman. I agree. 100. percent Like I, I, I would, if if it were me. Ideally, Keith is your third guy on the left side. I 100% uh, agree with that. I do. And like somebody who can move and play a little rugged. Yeah, but it, again, the problem when you're a team that's not real deep, and the others aren't. I mean, as we're talking about, they need depth players. Finding players to trade to get what you need isn't easy. Uh, the others have a first-round draft pick. That'll get you one player. But the others aren't one player away. So you got to start having to get rid of prospects. Now, if you're getting rid of a draft pick and getting rid of prospects, well, then you you better turn out to be a pretty good team this year because if things fail, you just mortgage some of your future on a hope and a prayer. So uh, to answer the caller, yeah, the Oilers would be better if they got all those things, but every team in the National Hockey League would be better if they got those things. Yeah. All right, we have Frank standing by as well. Hey, Frank. How you doing, guys? Yeah, good. I got an interesting book on uh, over the holidays that I've uh, just read through. Mark Messier's "No One Wins Alone." Oh, good! I haven't read that yet. Well, you know what? It's a great read. It's got a lot of really interesting tidbits about what I want to address, which is the intangibles okay. of winning hockey games. I would say that no one loses a game alone, and I think you guys have addressed that as well. And maybe Rob can speak to this. Frustration can sure play away at that uh, that item, that intangible we call team chemistry. And uh, the longer it goes, the more I would uh, guess that the team chemistry can take a hit. Messier talks about things that uh, the leadership uh, would do. To uh, One thing for sure is to make sure that everybody's contribution is valued, regardless of what it is. And maybe you can make a comment about those intangible things. I know there's a lot of tangible things you've talked about, goaltending, right shooting, left shooting. But uh, half this game is played between the years. And can you address those intangibles? Well, yeah, thank you, Frank. Yeah, you're right. And I can tell you as a player, 
when I was a young player breaking in, when a Mario or a Brian Trotche, who, who eventually came to Pittsburgh, when they when there was positive words from them, when there was a tap on the shin pads, when there was a pat on the back, it goes a long way. When you're appreciated as a third and fourth line player, by whether it's the coaching staff or players that are higher up the food chain, uh, understand your contributions uh, and make sure to point it out or make sure to address it, that goes a long way. No team that has won a championship in any sport has done it with just one or two players it's always the best team that wins and great leadership creates good great teams you i watched that whole michael jordan documentary and michael jordan was the best player in the world but they showed the contributions that all the other players that made the guys that were the you know coming off the bench the things that they did and how they were appreciated so yes intangibles the difference between a great team and a great team that wins are the intangibles Okay, and we'll also get Rick on the show here as the Oilers lose 4-1 to the Rangers. Rick, Happy New Year. Go ahead, man. Hey, good evening, gentlemen. Uh, I'll try to make this quick. Uh, one, can uh, Stuart Skinner be our uh, Jordan Biddington? Two, if you want to shake things up, bring in uh, Patrick Waugh. And uh, three, what if we trade Yamamoto and Fire Con- and Conskin into uh, bring back Everly? <laughs> Everly got run out of this town. Um, I, I yeah, I, I I I'm not sure about that. I mean, getting rid of Koskinen. I mean, someone's got to take his contract and want him. I don't know. I I always like Jordan Everly. I'm not sure he's they're going to trade know, and get him back. I would do that. Neither would I. And I, as for bringing in Patrick Waugh, I I don't even know if he would want to coach no, the others. No, I don't know. And what was the first one he asked? Oh, uh, uh, Ken Skinner. Yeah, yeah. Here, there was a gentleman that called earlier in the season too and said Skinner's going to be like Bennington. Okay, but like that's like such a specific prediction, you know? <laughs> like, yeah, that'd be great. Well, that's like but, us, us hoping know, that Smith comes back and plays yeah, well. It's I the mean, same it's, thing. It's kind of like. Uh, I mean, again, I, I I love what Skinner's done. I really do. But he, what is his record on the season? Two and five. Something along that line. Now, in his numbers, his win-loss isn't as good as his numbers, but again, that shows you that as good as he played when he had his opportunity he's up here. He's 4-5 and five with, four a nine, five. with a 9-16. Yes. Which looks okay. So it's good. His stats are good, but he's still below 500. So that shows you that even when you play really well like Skinner did, yeah, that, it's not one goaltender away from this team being a good team. I, I guess, yeah, and I guess that would be my... And again, I, I hope Skinner has a great career. Yep. And maybe he is going to come up and be awesome. But I just don't think that's an any safer bet than saying, well, a healthy Mike Smith might be able to play really well. Well, actually, the healthy Mike Smith is a better bet simply because it's happened before. Right. So that's why. Yeah. I mean, when you tell me, well, Stuart Skinner is going to play this way, I'm like, well, I hope so. But I mean, <laughs> this year that <laughs> they were hoping he'd be the number one goalie in the uh, in the AHL. But and I would not blame people for thinking this. Because I, I'm at the point I feel this way. I'm probably more, I'm probably more confident in Skinner than Koskinen at this point. And I know Skinner has had a couple of tough games himself, mm-hmm. but you know he's, he just seems steadier than. Well, the one thing we again, keep... Koskinen's mistake. Koskinen's like some of the guys on the team. His 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 mistakes are so poor. Yes. And again, what, what's always been said about Koskinen is he's a very good backup if you play him every fourth or fifth game. Which I'm fine with he's in that role. So in but Long- then he's overpaid for that but role. Yes. Which that's oh, and that, that's a different thing. But in Long Island, Koskinen was very good. He was very good. And then he gets the back-to-back games. Well, 
he doesn't put two good games together in a row. Okay, get more on this one on 630chat.com, globalnews.ca. Stoffer has orders now from noon to 2 tomorrow. I'll have inside sports from 6 to 8. Thanks to Angie Quinnell, our studio producer this evening. We've been in the Friesen Brothers Broadcast Center, and now we'll be freezing when we go outside. Hey, I'm like Gene Principe, <laughs> except my hair is shorter. <laughs> On behalf of Rob Brown, I'm Reed Wilkins. You've been listening to Heartland Ford Overtime Open Line. Another loss for the Oilers, 4-1 of the Rangers. Take care. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.